what is up everybody welcome to recruiting is no joke now usually i do um an event for these uh you know for the live show but this last week i was out of town and uh and so my schedule got thrown off a little bit but i will say usually when i do them just impromptu uh we get just as many pa people passing through so if you're out there as always do me a favor get into the chat let me know if your agency if you're in-house what company you work for what country you're in uh just say hi because i love to know who's out there and we are going to be um, talking about a topic which we talked about a couple of weeks ago but um i'm super excited to talk about it again and especially coming off the the uh the Recfest, which many of you guys know i was at Recfest recruiter fest in nashville and uh, this topic was a huge, huge focus as well um, at, at that fest. So uh, the guest that I've got is an expert, subject matter expert, um, has the data to back it up as well. So super excited for that. So if you've got questions for our guests, let us know. I want to give a big shout out to the one and only MetaView. You guys know MetaView by now. If you don't, go check out my videos where uh, I make fun of how bad of a note taker I was. But if you guys don't know who MetaView is, they have AI transcription for your interviews. So if you are like me and you suck at taking notes um, and you're a recruiter, you need to be using MetaView and you can go sign up for free. All right. It's a free sign up. Doesn't get much better than that. Free sign up. Try it yourself. See how it works. Um, and then you can just blast me on social media. It really sucks, but uh, it doesn't. They are great. So thank you to MetaView for sponsoring the show. Uh, and I already see lots of people out here. We got Dane, Deepak. We got LinkedIn user from America, um, it's like, who's looking for a web dev job. Uh, you're really, uh, you've got LinkedIn user because I'm streaming from a third party tool and then you've got privacy settings on. But Sarah Joy, good to see you. Crystal, Karen, Maggie, Olga, Lindsay, well, we got the crew here. So uh, I will, uh, as you guys get questions, I will do this. You see here, I can do this. It's like magic. I can show comments on the screen. So if you get some good questions for our guest, definitely do that. So. Enough of me rambling. Time to bring out our guest. Uh, so here we go. Riley, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for having me, Joel. Yeah, I'm super excited. Why don't you give us a um, like a 30, what do they call it? Like an elevator pitch. Tell elevator us pitch. who you are and who you do what you do for. Is, is that right? Hey, guys, I wanted to take a quick break to mention my sponsor, MetaView. MetaView is the AI assistant for interviewing. It completely removes the need for recruiters to take notes during interviews because their AI is designed to take world-class interview notes for you. The result? You're safe from the drudgery of note-taking and can instead spend time on what actually matters, being present, curious, and engaging with candidates, then making high-quality decisions based on insight, not memory. Also means your organization has 10 times better data about every candidate you speak to because you're no longer relying on people to remember everything that was discussed and submit accurate notes. Unlike humans, MetaView never gets tired. It doesn't forget anything and it structures the notes perfectly. Recruiters at companies like Brex, Robinhood, and Cura describe MetaView as a game changer for their efficiency and ability to have high quality interactions with candidates. MetaView lets them focus on the conversation rather than on taking notes. See the magic for yourself for free on your first five interviews. Head over to www.metaview.ai backslash no joke to get started. 
Absolutely. So hello, everyone. My name is Riley Stefano, based out of Boston. My pronouns are she, her. I am a employer brand marketing professional, started my career at a uh, company called HubSpot. If any of you have heard of it, well known for their employer brand, for their company culture. Yes, Joel, HubSpot. So kind of fell into this world of employer brand. I actually come from a marketing background, so a little bit different than I know many of you in the room who come from this TA recruiting kind of function. So I've always had the pleasure of bringing more of that creative marketing lens to our recruiting functions, our TA teams, to really coach and educate them on what to do to attract really top quality talent into your organizations. Today, I work for Datadog, started up their employer brand marketing function there about three and a half years ago, and really starting to try and do the same at Datadog that I was working on at HubSpot, building up a really strong employer brand and employee value proposition EVP, which I'm sure we will chat through a lot today to kind of, again, just attract great quality talent into the world of tech and into Datadog, where I am at now. I love that. I love it. What's uh okay? So you kind of you jumped into well, you, you were in marketing, then you got into employer brand, and obviously you work with really closely with rec the recruitment team. Um, I guess what has surprised you? I guess just in your time at employer brand, like what surprises you about recruiters and just like the recruiting space in general? You know what I love about recruiters in the recruiting space is I think how personable and outgoing people really are. And not everyone, mm. of course, that's the stereotype, right, of a typical recruiter. We're kind of like the sales folks on, you know, the employee advocacy side, right? We're the ones who are really trying to sell the experience of what it's like to work for a company. And as someone who very much identifies as an extrovert, someone who is really outgoing, really sociable, I love having kind of those quick, snappy conversations with recruiters really learn from them and be educated about their processes, the things that work, the things that don't work and how they also ad adapt and evolve over time. So I just love the hype, the energy. I like to think of myself as kind of like a cheerleader for my company in a sense. We're kind of, you know, employer branders are the first people that really have that touch point with employees to kind of educate them about a company. And then, you know, we get to pass them off to the phenomenal recruiters to sell them on that experience, to teach them more, to tell them why my company versus anywhere else in the world. So I love the hype. I love the energy that recruiters bring every single day. And I love just the collaboration that we have also between recruiting as a function and also employer brand marketing as kind of this more creative space. I love it. And we were just talking before the show too. Um, and I already mentioned this, but at RecFest last week, so for any of you guys who weren't there, RecFest is like a recruiter festival in Nashville, lots of recruiting leaders. And one of the stages uh, that I got the honor to speak on was uh, the disrupt stage. And um, it really, at least the second day, um, not sure about the first day, what the focus was, but the second day, pretty much every, every person who spoke was around employer branding. And you were like, hey, that's no surprise. Employer branding really seems to be kind of taking center stage and, and really kind of make an emergence. So um, I'd love to kind of dive into like why you think that's happening. But um, in terms of your team, like how big is your team and, and like how has the team grown over time as well? Yeah. So I started as a team of one, me, myself, and I kind of three and a half years ago when I started Datadog. Today, we are a team of 10. So it's wow. crazy to see. Yeah, it's been astronomical growth. Incredible to see just also the investment as an organization that Datadog has really put into growing this function and seeing the need for a space like employer branding in the larger corporate brand, because I'm someone who also firmly believes your employer brand directly impacts your company brand, right? You're building one cohesive brand 
that really tells the story, not just of the product that you're selling, but the people behind the product. And so I think that Datadog really showing that investment and also a lot of it to do with the metrics, the ROI, the impact of success that we've kind of brought, which I'm sure we'll chat about a little bit too, has really just allowed for that growth organically of our team. So now we are a function of integrated marketers. So like I said, I really come from more of this marketing background. I specifically work on the brand and content. So more generally, what is Datadog's EVP, our employee value proposition, which we're very much figuring out and establishing right now, kind of worked a little bit backwards when I first joined the company. And also really looking at, you know, external opportunities, blogs, partnerships, social media as a way to really tell that story and amplify the Datadog life journey for employees. I love that too. And you mentioned, uh, I know when we were talking earlier, like you've focused a lot on like the Instagram page and, yep. and things like that. Um, okay, so when we're talking about EVP, I know you mentioned it in, in employer value prep proposition. Um, what a can it give us like a, I don't want to say like the definition, but like your view of and like perspective on like what that means. And then I'm also curious about like maybe some of the, I don't want to say common mistakes, maybe that's not the best way to put it. But maybe some of the things that you've seen or kind of felt like, you know, people haven't done a great job with their EVP and like how you get to like that EVP point. Cause again, you're kind of working through that process. So like what are the things that you're thinking about as you're building that EVP? Absolutely. I mean, simplest definition, when I think of an EVP, it's really your reputation. Who are you? Who is your company? What is your brand? Why are employees proud to work there? And I think that when you think about EVP, the mistakes that people make, it's not including their employees from the get-go, their employees or their leadership team. You know, it's one thing for an employer brand or a recruiting team to really try and build out an EVP on their own. But ultimately, your EVP is what your employees are thinking of resonates most with your company culture, right? And so it's really about how do you make sure that you're getting and hearing their voices? It can be organically through the employer brand strategies that already exist. Think like Glassdoor, the one that we all love to hate, right? But it's Glassdoor. a great resource. But it's a great resource for really understanding what are employees loving about your company culture? Where are the opportunities for improvement? How do you take that and turn it into an EVP that talks about that reputation, who you are as a company, why employees love to work there, and why candidates would ultimately love to work there also. So biggest mistake you can make, don't just think about, you know, kind of trying to create this EVP on your own. Talk to your employees, talk to your leadership team. There's multiple different strategies for building something out. It can come from the leadership level. It can come from the employees kind of going up. So it's really just making sure that you're using and leveraging those voices and the stories that they have to tell to really amplify what that EVP and what your company culture is. Yeah, it's really interesting too, because kind of reminds me of like culture. And yes. um, like, I think people like try and define culture super hard and they're like, what is our culture? What are, what are we? But it, it's like, number one, it's super subjective anyway, because it's just, you know, it's words at the end of the day and everybody can like interpret words differently. Like integrity means one thing to me, can mean something completely different to someone else. So I think you have that kind of challenge with it. But then it's like you said, like you kind of, people try and create these things instead of like, well, what does it feel like working here? And like, what, it, what, it, like, how do these things actually work? Like we, we're saying we work hard, great. Like what are some examples of that? Or we're saying that we, our customer first, like what are the stories behind that? And it shouldn't really, it's not like you go to the lab and you're like, all right, what do we do? You know, what is this thing? Um, 
but so often I think that that's what it what it can be like. So I love that you said like it's your employees with their mm-hmm. with their voice, which I think is interesting in a lot of ways because I think a lot of times, at least in my experience, leadership it's a scary place to be. Like when your mm-hmm. people start having a voice, and this is why there's like social media protocol around. Well, you can't say this or nobody's allowed to say anything. But the challenge is when you look at how people interact with brands and how people interact with companies, especially when they're wanting to work for them, they're doing research. They want to know what your employees say. And so it's kind of like that. I always put it like, if you're really that afraid of like what your employees are going to say, like, why are you hiring them in the first place? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. So have you, I mean, it sounds like Datadog, like you guys, leadership is obviously really bought in if they're investing, you know, building up a team of 10 employer branders, which is a big team. Um, what, what, what do you think works well with like your leadership and like, what, why do you think they're envisioned for like what you guys are building? Like, um, how have you, how have you worked with them to get to get them to this point? I mean, spoiler data, data metrics, ROI, our company is called data dog. So I think that the more you can show rather than telling you just hit this on the nail a little bit too. It's not just, you know, the stories that you're showing to tell that culture story. It's also the data that you're bringing to leadership to really encourage them and, you know, allow them to recognize the value that you're bringing to the business by building up this employer brand strategy. As I was just saying, like your corporate brand, your employer brand, they go hand in hand. That brand visibility, it's felt, it's seen, and it really, you know, it it becomes even more impactful when employees are also sharing it across too. We think about sharing data really all the way down to the ultimate hire, which arguably is really hard to track. And that's always I mean, been super hard. I'm, I want to pick so your brain hard. on this. Especially so it's so ambiguous when you think of the world of employer brand and, you know, it's really become this topic. I feel like in the last 10 years that has grown and grown and grown, really starting in the tech industry, the challenge it's been to hire, you know, software engineers, enterprise sales folks, specifically just being two tougher demographics of of an audience. But now I see it also trickling into the world of of fintech finance and even, you know, the healthcare medical space as another great example is it becomes harder and harder to hire that top quality of talent. So bringing in metrics around candidate quality being a big one. So we look at candidate quality as anyone who makes it to a recruiter phone interview or beyond in the interview process. So not just an applicant, because you can have a million applicants who come in the door, right? But if you're just drowning out the pipelines of all of these inbound applicants coming in, it's not helping your recruiters. So no. candidate quality is a big metric we look at. We fall off a little bit in the middle of the funnel, of course, because you know there's not much that we're impacting other than we do create some candidate experience type of content that kind of helps to navigate them through that interview process. But then again, ultimately, that ultimate hire, how do we drill down to that ultimate hire? It's something we're continuing to try and sophisticate ourselves on from a process perspective, because it is really hard. How do you take one video, one podcast, one piece of content and be like, that is what hired someone? It's all, all oftentimes not the only thing that, you know, close that candidate. Sometimes it's a journey. It's multiple touch points to get someone. So it's more about thinking of influenced hires. How do we influence these people through the content that we're sharing to ultimately want to come work at Datadog versus, you know, any other kind of tech company out there today? I love that. I love that. And we did, uh, we get, we did get a random question here, which I want to 
still addressed, but I'm, I don't know if we're going to cover this on here, but uh, Star Sky was just asking about how do we protect ourselves from fake recruiters who use poor English to gather information from job seekers. Here's what I would say, Star Sky, and uh, if you if you follow me, go follow me on TikTok, and I'll do a video on this uh, to, to kind of point it out, because there is some legitimacy to like watching your own back. But I'm not going to cover that on this show. That's not what it's about, but uh, um, just wanted to address that anyway. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. We had an employer branding circle show not too long ago. We had Alex, her from GoDaddy, um, a couple other guests as well. And just that's, he's the only one I'm remembering right now, but, uh, essentially we were talking about like, um, one of the challenges just being like these KPIs, right? Like, and yeah. as an employer brand or like, how are you measuring it? So I know you mentioned some of the, some of these, like kind of this core data that you're using but can you speak more to that like and particularly for i think employer branding teams that are the one person still which i feel like is the majority of them like what are what are some of those data points that you're looking at and like are there any tools that you can recommend um you know like i, I guess does that make sense that's kind of because that was that was a big problem where we we're like oh like ah we don't really it know like, how do you do this it's one of the most ambi I mean, it's the, one of the most ambiguous components of employer brand. And I, as someone who started as a team of one on the Datadog side and and really joined even the HubSpot team early, metrics have come so far. KPIs, it is really company dependent, right, and company specific. But the one thing I would say to focus on is really the if you're only looking at engagement metrics, which I shouldn't say only because brand engagement is all also just as important as kind of that ultimate, you know, pipeline conversion. But and are you about, talking here like likes, comments, like social exactly, media engagement? Likes, okay. comments, followers. You can get all of that information right from the social platforms that you're sharing on. LinkedIn and Instagram have been our two social platforms of choice. They're where we find that really candidates are more looking for content about a company. So when you think about as a one singular person, I also always say, Think about what are the three things that you can really impact. Don't mm. try and cast this wide, huge, giant employer brand net because you are going to quickly find yourself overwhelmed. Really think about on social, how can you tell the stories of the people that are going to attract people that are similar to that, you know, whether it's skill set or that, you know, certain, maybe it's a coding background, coding language, whatever it might be, and really focus on the quality of the engagement, the quality of your followers. So right now, a big KPI that we're really trying to tap into that you can look at if you have access to like recruiter on LinkedIn as a perfect example, a lot of recruiting professionals oh, yeah. I know have that. Yeah. So you yeah. can look at a breakdown in your followers by certain in, um, either industry or a lot of times job function, which is one that we love to look at. So we're looking for specifically net new followers on our LinkedIn page who are either sales or engineering folks, because those are two talent pools that we're really consistently actively hiring from. So with KPIs, it's not just about casting this wide giant net of, you know, let me, you know, boil the ocean and see how many people I can get to follow me. How many quality people can you get to follow you and get to follow your social media channels or get to follow even as a recruiter, your own personal space. I know, you know, Joel, you probably talk about this a lot, but like you as a recruiter, are one of your company's biggest brand advocates. And the more that you can get yourself or other employees within your company to be talking about your company brand exactly. from the employer brand lens, it's massive. And it's only going to help to amplify those stories and bring in that quality of talent that you're really looking for. 
I love it. I love everything that you're saying, hundred percent. And I think too, the the a big component. I'm ironous all the time is quality of followers is, is huge. Like, because I mean, you could buy followers. Let's just be yeah. honest here. Like, I can go. I know there's a website out there. Um, how do I know it exists? Because I just know. I know. I know specifically people who are using it, and it's really easy for me to tell. But like, you can literally go buy likes. So I start, see some of these posts. It's like. People go from 18 likes a day and then suddenly they got 700 likes a day. And I'm like, okay, you're just paying for this engagement. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter because ultimately if you've got 20 CEOs, let's say you're in business development, you got 20 CEOs that are liking your post and the net worth of those CEOs is like trillions of dollars. And then on the flip side, you got 20 college kids liking your posts and you're trying to sell enterprise tech. You're, you know, let's say you get 600 college kids you're much better having those 20 solid likes. So I think it's just, it's a big it's a big mistake that people make when they just look at like numbers and like these vanity metrics if it's not steeped in like the context of who those people are. Um, now Laurie Laurie had a great question here. Uh, I don't know if you saw this one come through, yeah. but uh, she said, "What role can employee branding play in helping companies protect re repair their reputation after doing major layoffs?" Um, and Number one, I think it's a great question. And I'm also really curious because I don't know if you saw over the weekend, uh, but we had, um, it was like Salesforce. I don't know if it was over the weekend, but last week Salesforce was like, hey, we're going to hire 3,000 more people. And like, I don't know what it's about Salesforce, but they've been just in the news a lot recently. Uh, they had big layoffs at the beginning of the year. Now they're looking to hire 3,000 people. They've also forced people back to the office. And then the CEO even just admitted that he actually works better working remotely. So like, I'm just curious, like from your perspective as like an employer branded, I'd love to answer this question, but like when it comes to these reputational issues, like yeah. how do you work in that capacity? And like how, you know, when things that happen in our negative, like layoffs, like how do you position things? Like what, what are your kind of advice for people to, to position these things? Absolutely. I will actually use an example. I think that someone who did this really well was HubSpot. HubSpot did unfortunately at the beginning of this year, go through their own layoffs and something that they did in their employer branding was they had employees across the company who were still within HubSpot reaching out on their own LinkedIn networks to try and match some of their colleagues who had unfortunately been laid off with other companies that they knew of who were hiring. And I think that that just goes to show the power of employer branding in how you're creating that pride in employees even during a tumultuous time. So mm. that's why I really do lean on employee advocacy because in that moment, oh, what's, and just so everyone knows, what is employee advocacy as well? Employee advocacy, really don't know what that is. of course, it's really using your employee base as kind of a megaphone or as the cheerleaders, as an extension of your employer brand strategy, right? They're becoming your brand champions, your advocates. And so the more that you can build that advocacy into employees organically, because at this point, when layoffs have happened, People don't want to hear from the company, right? They're, they, they have that bad sentiment, that bad taste in their mouth organically, naturally. It just happens. So the people that are really going to be your champions in that moment are your employees, the people mm -hmm. that can still help and make sure that their colleagues, their you know teammates who were part of that experience have an opportunity to go somewhere else because it's, it's business. It happens, right? And so I think that the more that we can create that space on a platform like LinkedIn, HubSpot created this entire spreadsheet that 
other companies were able to contribute to, to basically say like, these are the people who are laid off. These are the companies that are currently actively hiring. And that's all part of the employer brand strategy that they put together to share externally, like, hey, we did have to go through this experience. Here are some phenomenal talent that we would like to place into other companies. And they had their employees sharing that. And so again, I think that it's not the company that people are going to want to hear from in those moments. I just want to hear from the crying CEO. Exactly. Well, I don't know about that either. <laughs> uh, internal comms team has has already been looped in and, and, and helped with some of that too. But really lean on your employees because, and, you know, create easy and efficient ways that they can help those teammates, those colleagues find the next opportunity for them. So talking about like easy ways um, and creating easy mm -hmm. ways, like talk to me about, because, you know, as recruiters, which I, I know you work a lot with, right? And and obviously, I think when I think of employer brand, it starts with the recruiters. I think as recruiters, like this is how we add value to the company, right? Like we're actively out there on social, we're increasing voice. You can add value outside of just filling roles, which I talked about a lot. Like it's important to do that. Like you don't want to just be the recruiter that's filling roles because as soon as there's no roles to fill, if that's where all your value is, you are now at value zero and but if you're adding to your employer brand and you're, you're helping facilitate these other things, um, you know, it's great. But that's where it starts on a recruiting team. But like, what are some ways that you, uh, like as an employer brand, brand are like help recruiters get on board with this? So like, what are the ways that you kind of keep the recruiting team engaged or even yeah. other employees engaged in this stuff? Yeah, I love that question. I think that enablement is a huge component of employer brand because ultimately if you're building things that no one's using, why are you building them? Right. And so one of the things we really try and focus on is showing up where our recruiters are already operating out of. So for us, we have an internal CRM. So we use a CRM. We use gem. I'll plug them because we've been loving them uh, just to utilize their content resources that are already baked into their outreach platform. So, you know, for us, we create things like quick copy is what we call it. So like lazy copy that, you know, I love that stuff. I know. Right. So <laughs> when, we put out, like, when we put out content, all you have to do as a recruiter, copy, paste, put it on your LinkedIn, or we put it into like a gem, like a CRM outreach sequence or something like that, an email marketing campaign. And so we show up where our recruiters are to make it as easy and efficient for them as possible to find, to discover, and then to share it or something like an internal Slack channel. One of the first things I did when I came to Datadog, we started the hashtag Datadog Life Slack channel. And it goes beyond recruiters. It goes to employees too, to make sure that again, so we're cool. building that employee advocacy. So we're sharing quick copy, we're sharing the content pieces, we're sharing the events that we're creating as an employer brand team so that they become our brand champions and help mm. us to amplify it so that we're getting that quality of talent in the door from their their own LinkedIn networks. It's like this ripple effect, right? The more and more people that they're reaching, the more and more people are going to be engaging and coming back to Datadog and to our employer brand content pieces, events, et cetera. It's, it's huge because especially on LinkedIn, this is one of the things that, you know, when I do these like LinkedIn trainings, people, when I show them and, I, and, and you know, we could do the test here, I share my screen and literally, if you roll down the feed, the first post you see is from someone that you know, a direct first connection. Second post you see is a promoted post. Third post might be a first degree connection. But as you go down, you start seeing people that commenting on things and like things that are in your network. So the way I think about it is, look, don't do the hard, like, yes, you want to be connecting with the developers and the engineers. You want to be connecting with all those people to add them into your network. That helps. 
But guess what? You can cheat the system. You find your, you know, head of IT or your software engineer that's got a really tight knit network of people they actually know, past colleagues, peers, you know, people who are in the industry. All they have to do is like or comment on your post and a fraction of those people, I think it's like maybe 25, 30, 40%, we'll see that. Okay. And so it's like, this is why it's so, this is why this stuff is so important. But I think a lot of times, like, you know, for even recruiters, it's hard to articulate this and like show them. And so, you know, it's like to your point earlier, when I show people, they get it. But it's like before that, they're like, oh, I don't really get the value of it. I'm like, well, look, you're, you know, head of IT or, you know, your software engineering manager, they are probably connected to the right person. Got to get in front of them. Um, I'm I'm curious too. Like um, I think I saw on your on your on your profile um, was something to do with like eighty thousand like applicants or, or something something like that. Um, you know when you're when you're sharing this data with mm -hmm. leaders, you're sharing it with with recruitment teams. Um, like how do you actually how do you kind of present this stuff to them? Like I'm just curious. Like you have dashboards like how do, how do you kind of paint this picture for them so they can understand it yep we are lucky enough to have someone who runs all things talent analytics internally so i will say dashboards is not my strength but they are someone who can build those really i i'm not gonna lie i used when i came to datadog i actually used to joke that i was allergic to data so it's really funny because now i did you lead with that in the first interview yeah, literally, like, Someone on the team that was like the data expert. And I was like, I'm going to warn you, like data is not my strength. I was an English literature major. I had no mathematical or, you know, numbers driven kind of background, but you find the, I think this is, and you know, to kind of answer your question with a piece of advice, find the people in your organization who are really good at what they do and lean on them. That's what has been, I think one of my secret sauces is I figured out who it was I could go to, to build this incredible dashboard for you, me, we have an internal analytics team that really like creates these beautifully visual pieces of data through, we use Greenhouse as an applicant tracking system. So using Greenhouse to ingest that data so that it just builds this amazing, you know, kind of visual chart graph, whatever it is that I need to show that life cycle on application to ultimate hire from inbound sources. And so I can use that data to visually tell the story to leaders, to executives of that impact, that success, that ROI. Of course, we still live out of spreadsheets and, you know, track a lot through kind of Excel and more of those platforms as well for things like more so engagement or vanity metrics. We also use the free version of Hootsuite. It's actually been a great tool for us because there's a lot that you can do even with their free platform from an analytics perspective. So I would say find the people who are really good at what they do and lean onto them, especially if it's not your skill set, because not only will they be able to build things for you that help to sell your story, that success, that that ROI, you know, aspect that you need, you're also going to learn a ton from them. I've learned so much in this analytics space from someone who is an expert at talent analytics, right? And so, you know, they might not have had as much of the employer brand experience, but they knew that recruiting that TA world so that I could be like, okay, you know, connecting the dots. If ultimately recruiting's function is to hire great people, how does employer brand marketing feed into that? And mm -hmm. so I've been able to show now visually that success because of those relationships built conversations had and ultimately you know what we've both learned from each other to show the right data because there's so much data you can also capture in this space 
And it's all about what's the data that's going to be most impactful that leaders. And what, are what is that? About. And I'm curious, like, what are those like, yeah. like, I mean, I, the automatic ones that always come in my mind are like time to fill and like, even yep. just like agency spend and like all those kind of typical ones. Like what, what are the, what are the, what have, where have you seen the biggest impact? Yeah, for us, it's definitely more so when it comes to that candidate quality, the inbound hires, also things like career site page views. You know, we have on one of the biggest, you know, I think content pieces we own is our career site, right? So looking at things like how many people, how many unique page viewers are coming to our careers page, you know, month over month, and what's that increase been year over year, really looking at, you know, not just what is that pipeline conversion, that ultimate, you know, candidate kind of coming into the funnel, but how are people engaging with that brand? And so when I think about metrics, they really fall into those two categories, brand engagement and brand sentiment, you know, really understanding that reputation you have as a company, and then ultimately the pipeline conversion. So how are candidates actually moving through that life cycle, really, at the end of the day too, cost per hire, we do measure things by cost per hire, especially as we do look at, you know, tools that we can and that we can think about to help make our lives a little bit easier. Partnerships, recruiting partnerships are a big topic of conversation. We've thought about, you know, we've gone back and forth on tons of different partnerships. We work on some currently still, but cost per hire ultimately events, I think is another perfect example. When you run a recruiting event, if you can close a candidate at that event, what is that recruiting cost per hire for that closed candidate based on what the event cost was versus, you know, a lot of companies look at cost per hire versus on, the entire recruiting organization or function. So we've catered a lot of our metrics to more so how our recruiting function operates. And honestly, it's been our best success story in kind of leaning both into that marketing side, that brand engagement and sentiment, coupled with that ultimate pipeline conversion of how are candidates actually moving through the funnel and what has that cost kind of looked like, especially in you know this tumultuous market and environment that we are kind of currently in. I'm curious. I'm, all right. Michael's got a question here, which he asked a while ago. Um, and you mentioned a couple of them, but you said, uh, now that you have a team of 10, do you use Vendus to help with recruitment marketing services aside from job ad program, programmatics? But I'm also curious, like, I mean, you mentioned some of the tools and, and that type of thing, mm -hmm. but I'd, I'd, I'd be curious, like, what are you doing everything in house recruitment marketing or how, do, how does that, how does that work? Now we do. Yes, I will say. And I've always worked for a team that has approached it originally from this like scrappy lens where we've never really outsourced recruitment marketing from a kind of agency or more so of that like brand strategy type of, you know, paid opportunity. We've done everything a little bit more scrappy, learned from that scrappy and elevated and scaled it as the company has kind of scaled itself. Because I will say I was coming in as someone who had that experience as an employer brand marketer. I recognize, though, that a lot of, you know, the folks even here today come from more of that recruiting background. And so I think that, you know, again, know what your strengths and what your weaknesses are. If you are someone who does need more of that help from an outsourcing perspective, lean onto that, but learn from those people so that someday you will get to a point where, Maybe it's building out a team. Maybe it's taking on some of that more recruitment, marketing, employer brand strategy yourself. You don't need to necessarily lean into that paid opportunity. Now where we've shifted that budget is into more paid advertising. So we do do a lot of paid advertising on LinkedIn. We're actually running a few on Instagram for the first time, just because we have such a robust Instagram following now. For I was going to say, how, how is that? How is this Instagram as a platform? And then we got another question I here too, that, yeah. which I think is great, but um 
Instagram. Like, are you getting hires from Instagram? Like, what's going on with Instagram? Isn't that the big question? I, you know, that's one of the ones. Who knows? It's one of the things I would love to try and solve for in 2024. Right now, the only way that we can look at our Instagram is honestly in terms of the followers and the quality of followers that we have. So we're well, really, you, what, what link do you have? Do you have a link to career page or? We do. Yep. So we link out to the career page. We also, so we have like a, one of those one tree links. So it links to a bunch of different, you know, whatever we're promoting. Oh yeah, because, like the link tree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we promote events that we're running. It's also not, and interestingly about Datadog, our Instagram is actually our corporate Instagram. And it was something that as a company, no one really had the appetite to take on. So when I came in three years ago, we were at 1800 followers. We are at 24,000 followers today oh, in wow. three years from my love- team taking it over. And show, again, just sharing that people first perspective of the products that we're building, selling, marketing, et cetera. So people really are curious about the people behind the products the people behind, you know, whatever it is that your company is building, selling, et cetera. So people want to hear that people story. And I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned and why Instagram has been so successful for us. It shows that visual lens of what it's like to work at a company, but also the cool things people are going to get to do when they get here. You know what I mean? So it's more so that showing versus telling. We're not just telling people what they want to hear. We're showing them from the lens, from the eyes of the people who they're going to be in the footsteps of this is what you're going to get to do. And this is why people love what they're doing here and why you could potentially love it too. So that's why Instagram has been, I think, su- the biggest success for us. But you haven't necessarily been able to track that. Like, Not down to the I mean, ultimate. Surely, surely you've been able to track like how many people have originated from Instagram onto like the career page though. Exactly. Or like the influence tires. So we talked a little bit about influence tires earlier. So what we're trying to do a little bit better of is with our career site or even with our applicant tracking system, you can add things like tracking links. Greenhouse allows you to add yeah. a tracking link to, you know, we have a source set up for Instagram specifically. So if we share our career site or our jobs page, we could hypothetically track down to that ultimate hire. What that misses though, are all those influenced hires who might mm. be using Instagram to kind of do some of that research on what it's like to work here who then ultimately do get hired as a candidate or as an employee from being, you know, one of those candidates who use Instagram as that jumping off point. And so that's what we're trying to solve for is how do we really capture the full picture of employer brand? Because that direct hire that we're seeing coming in isn't telling the whole story. No, There's so many more touch points that a candidate experiences they become that ultimate hire, including, you know, source for outreach. You know, there's so there's at least three touch points that they're making before they even decide to apply. I wonder if there's a way, like, even just to add that into like the recruiter workflow of like asking mm-hmm. them. But again, it's so hard. And this is where like I think you're in a tough spot if you're mm-hmm. asking like ROI on this stuff in terms of like, can you like quantify it? Because it's just I think you, you you can kind of make assumptions and say, you know, you can, I guess you could look at like total traffic from Instagram and measure that from other sites. But I think you got to be careful if you're looking for like the sure hard fire data, because even on social, I mean, LinkedIn analytics, they're okay. Yep. Okay. But they're not great. Like it's, it's not like, it's not super clear necessarily. Like I think on the business page, like it's got the click through rates. Like I've been yep. noticing that from just doing my own page, but you know, I think some to your point, it's these like influence things and it's like mm-hmm. 
the greatest example is like the word of mouth. Like yep. how, well, how do you track been, word of mouth and all yeah, that type of stuff? You're right. It's one of the biggest things. Honestly, another vendor that we explored looking at and candidly is one that I would I want to re-explore in 2024 is an employee advocacy platform. There was one called Disseminate that I'll plug because I, I loved the experience of working with them. We did a free trial with them that we absolutely had a great experience with because they had more of those word of mouth analytics kind of built out within their platform that showed more so if you have, you know, that domino effect we were talking about, if you have X number of employees sharing out this one piece of content and they're reaching, you know, 5,000 people across their followers, their network, you're actually, one metric that I love that they show is earned media value. So how much money are you saving by not having to promote that piece of content from a paid perspective because it's reaching the same number of people just through that word of mouth, through that employee yeah. advocacy. So it's one that we're trying to actually solve for in-house right now and figure out, you know, how do we be better measure that employee advocacy? You know, the people that are taking part, I will say the My Company tab on LinkedIn, great way as a employee or even as a recruiter to find content that your coworkers, your colleagues, et cetera, are sharing and help to amplify that. Because the more that you can amplify and share and engage with the content that they're sharing, it is going to one. help that employee advocacy, even if you can't really measure it that well. So it's kind of like that, you know, you take it with a grain of salt because you know it's working and you find other metrics that you can use to kind of try and tell that story. So it's one I will say is a work in progress, very much so. No, I love it. Well, when you figure that one out, I'm I'll coming let you know. Away and then if anyone else that. has ideas too, please <laughs> let me know. <laughs> give, give me that case study and I will put it in all of my sales proposals when I'm selling because it's a big one that comes up because it is like I have certain data that I present and it, it all kind of makes sense. But, you know, then when people ask the straight, you know, I mean, someone at Recfest, they were asking me you know, questions. Oh, I'm just not sure. You know, like, what is the ROI again of, of doing this? And I'm like, the ROI is that when we met, you knew who I was and I didn't know who you were. Like, that yeah. is the, that's an ROI. I don't know how you measure that. Uh, but I don't do uh, ask the question, Ar Ar Arden, who asked the question, is there any solid formula to decide find cost per hire or is it somewhat vague? You kind of painted a little bit of a picture of like how you guys do that. Um, sounds like you do it like not just like total cost, but like you're kind of breaking it down into different segments to really yeah. track it, which I've, I haven't heard of that too much. So why don't you just walk us through that quickly? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we're in a little bit of a unique position that we do have this 10 person, you know, essentially marketing function within the recruiting space. So we think about it more so by looking at our individual team budget, breaking that out into the pillars. So we operate in three pillars. We have brand and content, which is what I'm the head of. We have growth marketing. So more of that paid advertising costs, you know, more of that traditional recruitment marketing kind of focus. And then we have events. So any recruiting events. So we break out that budget into those three pillars. And then we look at hires based on the source that they came from within those pillars. And so that's how we find that ultimate cost per hire is how much spend was spent divided by the number of hires that came in from that unique pillar of work. So either brand and content, events, or growth marketing. And so obviously growth marketing being where we have some of our biggest spend from a paid advertising perspective, it's where we, it's also where we can see 
more influenced hires because LinkedIn does provide that data to you if you have that recruiter account, which is fantastic. So like we can really so are those, see- are those like sponsored job posts? Or are you talking about- like, It can be promoted? anything. So we like to sponsor content more than we like to sponsor job posts. More again, from that, you know, showing versus telling component. We don't yeah. want to just like let people know we're hiring, we're hiring, we're hiring because spoiler, the world is hiring, right? I know it's slowed down a lot, especially in the last year or two, but you got to tell people not just that you're hiring, but why are <laughs> you hiring? Why should they come join you? So use, if you're going to look into paid advertising, again, amplify stories, not just job posts, because people see job posts and, you know, they're going to scroll. They're going to keep scrolling. They see a picture of a great event that they could have been part of and they read the caption on it. They're going to be like, oh, wow, I wish I'd been there. Like that sounded so cool. I'm going to sign up to go to the next one. So it's more, the content is more about the why than it is the what would be some of my best advice, especially if you're going to dive into the world of paid advertising a little bit. And I was just asking, does this also involve the recruiter salary? I mean, I guess you are taking, I mean, you've got to take an account like your team, all of that as well, right? Like your salary and we, so from a larger department. So what's interesting about the employer brand marketing space, we sit within recruiting operations. So as a recruiting operations department and function, yes, they look at that ultimate recruiter salary as the terms of total cost per hire. When we're looking at it from more of just the marketing lens, we're not including the recruiter salary because what we're really trying to tell is more so how are the how is the cost that we're putting toward those marketing strategies impacting the inbound hire, not necessarily that full recruitment operations scope. So great, great, great question. It's something that, again, we do build in and bake into our larger total department strategy, but not when we think about specifically our employer brand marketing space. Nope. I love it. I'm very, very, very cool. And like, I'm, um, I feel like I'm going to go back and listen to this episode afterward too, just cause I think so much of what you're saying is, is, um, it's helpful, but it's also, it's just not, I, and I haven't really heard too many people talk in this way when it comes to like employer branding as well. So I feel like there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of value that I need to go back and I listen to myself. Um, I know we're kind of drawing to the end of, of the show as well. And like I said, just action packed so much. I feel like there's a lot of other stuff we could have got into. Um, where, where can people find you and like what you're yeah. doing and, and where's the best place for people to connect with you? Yeah. I mean, LinkedIn, I'll plug it. Connect with me on LinkedIn. <laughs> it's a, you know, great space to connect with other people. I tell people all the time, like LinkedIn has become this incredible virtual space to network meet individuals from all over the world. I'm someone, I, I see so many people coming in from across the globe. Like I'm a huge avid traveler. I have a travel blog. I'll plug that because, you know, just a fun little side, my creative project that I like to do. But really LinkedIn is a great place to connect with professionals and other just people that you want to continue to learn from. I talk about LinkedIn as this two-way conversation, right? LinkedIn shouldn't be a space that you're just showing up to scroll, 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 post, post, post. It should be a place that you're really engaging and building a network. The more that you can even leave comments on other people's posts, that's one of the big things I like to tell people. It's not about how much you're writing and putting out there. Sometimes it's simply about engaging with the people that you're also networking with and following. Exactly. So connect with me. I will engage back with you. I love it. I love to hear the stories of people from companies across the world. So definitely would say LinkedIn. I'm also, you know, on Instagram a little bit more 
travel focused, I would say in that part of my world, but LinkedIn is where I share a lot of just insights, ideas around employer brand, all the things that I, I, I'm passionate about this topic clearly. So connect with me there and I'm curious and would love to continue learning from you also. Yeah. Well guys, if you, uh, want to go find Riley, I will, um, I will link her, uh, profile as well to the post, which I don't know if it always does that when I schedule it through uh, StreamYard. All I ever say is you gotta be patient with people. All right. Like mm -hmm. not everybody hangs out on LinkedIn all day like me. Um, so just say Riley heard you on the show on uh, recruiting is no joke and then just be patient. Um, and then definitely follow Riley as well, because I think when it comes to employer brand, um, this is something we need to, again, I hate to kind of bring it back to the Wreckfest, but um, one of the things that I noticed at Wreckfest was a big emphasis on recruiters, not just filling roles, right? Like how do we add value in different ways to organizations and employer branding is a huge one. And one of the big advantages you have is it's not something uh, that a lot of companies even really have a grasp on. So if you're able to you know, be the subject matter expert, you're able to come up with new creative ideas and, and actually show the value in what you're doing, it's going to help you as a recruiter. And recruiting, in my mind, is as much marketing as it is sales. But historically, it's just been sales. But, you know, we need to wake up. Like, people are spending time on socials. It's how they're making decisions um, and marketing matters. So when you follow people like Riley, then you, you learn these things. So uh, definitely uh, go connect and go follow. And uh, and then, guys, if um, if you have other questions for me directly, you know how to reach me. Reach me on LinkedIn, TikTok, Pinterest. You know, I'm on Pinterest as well. I don't answer any DMs on there. But uh, uh, if you uh, if you want to be a guest, if you know anyone who should be a guest, feel free to reach out as well. And then I know Wednesday we've got another show as well. And I am going to be doing these shows now on Mondays and Wednesdays coming up. Um, honestly, cause I've just been reaching out to so many amazing people and I'm like the guest list filled out to like December. And then Riley was like, I could do Monday. And I was like, Oh, maybe I should just open it up on Monday. So we are now. So, uh, again, thank you so much, Riley. Thank you just for, for spending the time with us. I'm sure that people got a ton of value out of this. Um, special shout out to MetaView again. If you, if you're not using AI as a recruiter up the game. Go, go try out AI transcription for your interviews. It's going to help you summarize those conversations. Uh, amazing tool, and you can sign up for that for free. Um, and, guys, just thank you for all the engagement. we got Michael out there, Stephen, uh, Tan, Laurie, Layla, Tony, Star Sky, George. So many, just so many great comments. Really appreciate the engagement, and, uh, and we will see you guys in a couple of days. So I'm going to end this stream.